Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adela Marcy. And today I have the very good pleasure of bringing two of my very new friends uh, onto the show, but people I have followed for some time, even though they have no idea I was quietly stalking their Facebook profiles. Ha <laughs> ha. This is what happens. Anyway, they are the founders of the Copywriting Club. They are Rob Marsh and Kira Hug. Guys, welcome onto the show. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. thanks for having us. Your intro is really good. You're very smooth. I wish we were that. To, yeah, we need to borrow. <laughs> Maybe we should have you smooth. record our intro for I, us. Yeah. I could. I used to be a voice actor, so it helps. You sound um, so much better than we do. <laughs> you guys sound great. I loved your intro. But before we get started, I do want to give a shout out to our sponsors of this episode, which is, of course, thecopywriterclub.com, and uh, where you guys can go check out a bunch of great interviews, find out more about copywriting, and join the Facebook group, which is growing, and it is just one giant awesome playhouse of brain word fun times. I don't know where my brain is going with that. We're just going to let it run. Um, and also, this show is sponsored by adlamarcy.com, where you guys can find out uh, find previous episodes, some very interesting articles about creativity, copywriting, and story story selling, and more. Now, I'm going to shut up because I want to get you guys in. My first and very question to both of you is, how are you guys doing? We're <laughs> doing great. Question. Uh, good. I'm okay. Thank That's you. Yeah. Well, yeah, a lot of people don't ask that question. I find that when you ask that question in um, restaurants, I get free things whenever I ask that question. What do people say? Um, I've had, like, I tend to have fun with baristas when I used to be able to go to Starbucks, which is like, oh, how are you? And they're like, oh, I'm okay. And I always gaze their response. If it's like, I'm having a great day, I'm like, superb. How's your day going? Like, what are you up to? What makes you happy? If they're kind of slightly miserable, um, I kind of take it upon myself to make them laugh slightly by going, okay, between us, how many people have you wanted to kill today? And they're like, <laughs> three. I'm like, just Ooh, three? three? Like, yeah. how long have you been working? Like, six hours? I'm like, those are rookie numbers. Get that up. It should be seven. Yeah, I would love to be that way. I feel like when I go out in public, I just am one of those people who does not engage as much. Like, I just kind of want to like do the business and like disappear. But I admire people who engage and start conversations uh, with other people and kind of live life fully. I just I strive to be that person one day. I think I think can. the default answer the default answer is always fine, right? I mean, it's in fact, sometimes you'll even say fine to people who are asking different questions because it's such a default. So it's, yeah, I'm doing better than fine. I'm doing great. I feel like Rob, you're always good. Rob's always good. I'm like usually not as good as Rob, but I'm okay. But you're, like, you're actually, always like happy and good. Let's actually touch on that because this is quite an interesting time for copywriters because for once it's, um, we're actually getting to the point where it's okay for a copywriter to actually speak about their feelings. And I don't know about you guys, but I've battled, a, like, it's no secret, I've battled a lifelong depression, uh, yeah. among other things. And it's quite lovely that we've kind of got to the point where people can say, you know what, I'm, I'm dealing with some mental health stuff, I need help, and they can actually open up to their peers. And it's not like, okay, I've got, I need help, I need to take time off. And you're not all of a sudden the black sheep of the other group, no one wants to work with you. No one wants to go near you because they think you're going to drag them down. Instead, everyone rallies around you. So my question to you guys is, what have you seen that has helped that movement? And what, do you, what are your experiences? Yeah, it's interesting because I do feel like this has come up in our podcast. I mean, you, were, you shared your experience to dealing with depression. And it's, I don't even know, like a quarter of the shows we've talked about anxiety and depression and just more of the, the hard stuff in 
copywriters' lives. And I think when we started the show, we weren't, at least I wasn't really expecting that, but I'm grateful that our show has created that space where we can talk about the less, um, less glamorous parts of what we do as writers. And so at least for me, having those conversations and being able to have those conversations on the podcast has helped me feel less alone in that space because I've definitely had my own, you know, bouts with like depression and anxiety too. And so it just feels like, Oh, these are my people. Like they get this and like, they're dealing with it too. And it's not weird. It's just like, it's just part of being human. And, and also I always wonder if it's part of being the writer and the writer's life, if, if it's more common in our space, but it's hard to know that because I haven't explored what that looks like in other industries and niches too. Yeah. And I think there's a generational aspect to this as well. I think, you know, under forties tend to be more comfortable talking about these kinds of things uh, than, you know, so I'm slightly older than that. Uh, and, you know, if you talk, if talking like Gen X, baby boomer, silent generation, they don't necessarily embrace vulnerability quite the way that uh, the last, you know, the, those who have grown up say in the last 30 or 40 years do. And that's probably a positive change. I, I think it is. Um, but I, our audience, I think tends to be slightly younger, you know, so it, you know, I don't know that we have, a ton of baby boomers uh, that listen to us. And so those kinds of conversations, I think, are happening more often everywhere. And so it's maybe natural that they happen on our podcast a little bit as well. Yeah, that's brilliant. Guys, just to uh, give you a heads up, I think my cats have just woken up and I think they might be joining us later on. So if they do, I apologize. Um, but I actually love the fact that even grizzled old veterans like John Carlton is still out there prom promoting in some level. I don't think he's come out and said, yeah, I feel this way and whatever, because John is very much a grizzled old vet. And I love him for that. Um, but what I love also at the same time about him is that he's not afraid of writing an article like How to Murder Anxiety. Like, that is brilliant. It's like, how do you do that? Well, he writes about it and he tells you, like, from, a, from an old grizzled vet, this is how I would get around this. And I think even the younger generations, like our generation speaking about this, and Rob, I can't believe that you're slightly above 40. That is, I, I would Shocking. It is shocking. Yeah. Is I it? would have gone under. I would have totally gone under. Like, definitely well. 39. I, I, think, I think the gray hair <laughs> you know, uh, shines a light on the lie. So <laughs> You say that, but I know guys that are great at my age, so it's, it's strange. Um, and just to give you guys context, I'm 30, so I'm on the younger side of, of the generational side of things. But I was going to say, it's lovely that as we're opening up, it's giving the avenue open for the other writers as well. Now, of course, speaking of writers and this being a copywriter special, I'd be remiss if I didn't actually ask you guys about your favorite stories. Specifically, Ooh. like what type of stories do you guys find that you write about when you, when you tend to write copy for yourselves or for your clients? Oh, that's such a good question. That is a great question. And there's like so many ways to answer that. You know, if I'm thinking of the kinds of stories I like to listen to or read, uh, you know, that's, that's different from the kinds of things that I tend to write about. So uh, like you, Adel, I write a lot about persuasion. And so stories that illustrate persuasive techniques, tactics, those kinds of things are really interesting to me. And I haven't written a ton on my personal blog recently, but if you look at the content there, it's generally stories that illustrate those kinds of things. You know, how do you, you know, how do you illustrate, you know, framing or, you know, some of the other tactics that we use just because that's kind of what interests me personally. But if I'm going to sit down and, and, you know, relax, 
that's not the kind of stuff that I'm listening to on my headphones. You know, I'd, I'd much rather listen to Michael Connelly, you know, tell me a detective story, uh, you know, or, you know, those kinds of things that I'll consume. So it's a, a little bit different to you know, what I write versus what I like to listen to. Before I jump onto it, like we get Kira on, because I do want to hear your answer as well. I was going to say, as you're a detective novel fan, from what I've guessed, uh, I have a really good recommendation, which I think I gave you. I don't know if you've read it yet. The Crucifix Killer by Chris Carter. Did you tell me that? I don't remember I don't that. think I did. I, I, I wish I did. If I don't think I did. But just in case, guys, it is one of my all-time recommended books. I give it to every junior writer that I take on as a gift amongst the book packages I send them. Um, which it, the reason is because I am, as I'm dyslexic, it takes me a really long time to read books. I prefer audiobooks. And I didn't used to read fiction as much. Like the last fiction book I read before reading this was Harry Potter at school. There you go. So that's how long ago it was for me. So I'm like, oh, fine. And uh, it was about five or six years ago. A friend of mine was like, hey, I was writing a detective novel at the time. They were like, hey, you need to read this book. It's brilliant. I couldn't, and I love spoilers. So I'll go onto a Wikipedia page. I'll read the ending and be like, okay, this movie's worth my time going to go see. I'll go watch it play out the way I think it is. Great, cool. I know, I don't tell anyone this. It's just for my own like fun. I had to fight my own urge to find the ending of this book online and everywhere I looked there was no actual ending written everyone was like no we're not giving away screw you we're not going to find out the ending I read that entire thing in three days like okay. I, right. I I, I, I gave it list. I gave it to yeah. a friend of mine and he missed his train like he oh, missed God. his stop where he was supposed to be getting off because he was so engrossed in this book so wait what, right. is the what is the title one more time the Crucifix Killer yeah The Crucifix Killer by Chris, Chris Carter Carl. yeah got it got it yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of, I love listening to, um, you know, like Ian Rankin, uh, Scottish writer, you know, with a, a detective in Edinburgh, another favorite. Mm -hmm. um, so I love consuming those kinds of stories. I also, I mean, you didn't really ask this question, but I also have just started listening to uh, Bernard uh, Cornwell's uh, Last Kingdom series. Uh, so I haven't been reading them, but there's a Netflix series based off of them. And uh, yeah, it's, just it's a really compelling it. story. It's quite, I really like the Netflix story, uh, the Netflix series and the stories are quite good as well. So but it's nice to have something in the headphones when you're driving or running errands, that kind of thing. So. Agreed. But Kira, what was your answer? Sorry, we just kind of um, went down a little uh, side, okay, side street. Now. I feel left out. That's okay. Um, <laughs> I, I was just going to say when I write stories and I'm thinking more what I've written recently is, is for the copywriter club in our emails. I love make-believe stories. So I like taking real characters and usually the characters <laughs> include Rob and myself. And like, I put us into a scene and I like to create what would happen if we were in a bizarre scene. And I think the, my favorite story that I wrote was when I ro tied Rob up in a basement and put, yeah, you would like that story. <laughs> and like I created this whole world where I was basically like kidnapping Rob. And it was ultimately, it was like a sales email. We were promoting something, but um, it was just creating this world in my mind and putting it down uh, onto the screen in an email format. Uh, but I also like just real stories and pulling um, actually like shared experiences that we've had too. And I think one of my favorite real stories was from our underwater photo shoot. So taking something that feels a little bit different and telling a story about the experience as we took these photos underwater a year ago um, in cold weather in North Carolina and um, just bringing that to life because it was a really fun experience, also very cold, shockingly frigid 
experience for the two of us. And so sharing that with the copywriters in our community and bringing that to life felt really fun because Rob cannonballed. I think you cannonballed into the pool in this freezing pool and we were Brave in our man. clothes. We were in our clothes taking these photos and it was so much harder than you would imagine taking photos underwater. And so I think trying to capture um, little, you know, little snippets like that from our lives and from our business is really fun. Um, other than that, I'd say like what I like to read is not too far off from what Rob is saying, um, but I like horror for sure. Like I love Stephen King. Um, I will take Stephen King every day, any day. And then on the flip side, like a bit of romance, but it's hard to find good romance novels. So if anybody has recommendations, I feel like they're usually so awful. I'm always struggling to find like a really good romance novel. And so ultimately I'd like to write a story that's partly horror and partly romance combined. A romantic horror then. Yeah. You're basically Lady Gaga's favorite person right now. <laughs> but that's the goal in life is like to make it as a writer writing horror and romance novels. Like, then I've made it. I've actually found a lot of copywriters tend to love romance, horror, and detective. It's like the three that we tend to a like gravitate towards. Yeah. yeah. Well, to be fair, we kind of fancy ourselves as detectives because that's what we do. Um, like I, so the crime novel I was writing, cause I did go ahead and write a fucking crime series. I just haven't published it. It's like sat on my computer. I'm like, I should really publish this one day. Um, but it's all made up of shit. But anyway, so it's, it's interesting how we all like head down that same pathway. And it's lovely to hear because um, for junior writers out there that are starting out like, oh, I don't like Game of Thrones. I don't like this. Shut the fuck up. I don't care what you like or you don't like. This is essentially the same as having spinach when you're a child. You put it down, you eat it down because it's good for you. The reason it's good for you is you have to become a student of what sells. Game of Thrones is one of the highest places of media that you could have ever seen. And I found it very strange when copyrights like, I don't watch Game of Thrones. I'm like, I'm sorry, are you not a cultural phenomenon type person? <laughs> do you not like other parts of humanity? Like, is that, do you have no promise of being a better writer? But hey, um, but the, the reason I actually asked the question initially was because in my, in my mind, there are um, several types of copywriting in story that very, many of us actually flirt around in different areas, but we don't really see it, if that makes sense. Like uh, in movies, you have different genres. You have action, you have horror, you have romance, you have comedic, you have all these different types. In copywriting, I don't find anyone outside of me and maybe like three other people I know speaking about the different styles of writing copy. So like for me, mine is very story-based. It's very journey discovery-esque all the way through. Whereas like my buddy, Ryan Schwartz, He's very much like what I would call an action copywriter. He starts right in the middle of the action, gets your attention there. And then just like Casino, he draws it back to the beginning and then he brings you right back to that point and shows you how it unfolds and then what happens next. So my question to you is, how do you guys find yourself that you write like that or have you never looked at it before that way? I, I'm not sure that I've ever looked at it that deeply. Uh, you know, I... I kind of start with the premise, you know, I'm looking for the interesting thing that, that, that stands out to me, or, you know, if I'm writing, say for a natural health supplement, I'm trying to find the story that I can wrap something around. Um, but I'm not sure that I've ever been so conscious to think, Oh, I'm going to start in the, you know, the middle of the action and, and come back, or I'm going to just tell the story. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know that I, I don't go into a whole lot of intro copy. So, you know, there's not a lot of spinning up the stories. So there's, there's definitely, a point to jump in, but 
you know, there might be a line that kind of introduces the story or the background before I jump in, but that's an interesting question I'm going to have to think a little bit more about because mm -hmm. I'm not, well, I certainly haven't thought about that before. I, I actually like the way that you do that. And I do want to come back to you after I hear from Kira about how you specifically um, go straight into that, like right into the story of it instead of the buildup, because that's something very, very curious. That's very curious to me because a lot of people don't do that. They kind of like build up an intro, but Kira, what is? Well, I mean, I would say kind of similar. Like, I don't, I think that's something that we can be more intentional about. I know Jamie Jensen teaches storytelling. So I know she has different frameworks for it. I'd say like, she's a great resource for anyone who wants to get into that and learn about different ways of telling stories. Also because she has a background in the movie industry as a screenwriter. So I'd say like pulling from someone like her would be really helpful. Um, for me, it's just more, I'm always looking for like the hook and the shock. I kind of want to surprise people and shock people. Um, usually just like with something creepy. I like writing creepy copy. Um, I'd like to do more of that where it's just a you little do, unexpected. You do look a little bit like a creepy copywriter, just a little bit. <laughs> oh, like, very like creepy. Much, you need to wear more black and, and you know, I'm oh, so not no, creepy, it's, but it's like I yeah, yeah, this is not a creepy outfit. I should have dressed it. I thought you were I thought you were doing the thing where it's like I'm creepy because I don't look it. This is my <laughs> kind of the bitches. people who are really creepy don't look well, some of them look creepy. They do. <laughs> Usually don't look creepy but like that's kind of how I'd like to write is you know what is the creepy copy formula that's something that we'll create in the copywriter club coming soon yay there we go trademarked on the show <laughs> did I get a percentage of that maybe not I'm just kidding but sure. uh, oh, who knows if I can help out I will um, but one of the things that really works for me the way I found for me is Actually, no, I'm going to shut up about that because I was going to jump off to something else. And I just remember the question I asked Rob, I didn't get an answer to. Like, how do you actually jump the intro? Like, how, how what is your process to get in past? So you go headline and then straight into the body copy or? Yeah, well, again, I'm, I'm not sure that I've given it a lot of thought. I'm just trying to think of some of the, the stuff, you know, that I've written. Um, oftentimes, I'll like to start a sales letter with a quote. Um, you know, quotes around the headline tend to uh, bring authority and maybe a little trustworthiness. Um, and so, um, you know, oftentimes that will launch into the story um, or launch into at least the problem that people are feeling and, and you know, trying to dial that up and, and um, really get into the heads of the people who are reading. Um, but again, you know, it, it's an interesting question because I'm not sure that I've been that analytical about my approach to starting a story. Uh, maybe, maybe I should. Uh, I, I, maybe. I mean, I'm just one of those very weird, nerdy people. I mean, for the love of goodness, my company's name is Copywriting Nerd Limited. <laughs> like, I'm, I like it. I, I'm so just own it, it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, because it was. So, do you guys ever watch Marvel and DC movies? Like, are you guys oh, yeah. familiar? Rob so, hates them. Oh yeah, I am a I am a superhero huge fan, especially the Marvel movies. I, I don't love the DC movies quite as much, but except for the um, Dark Knight trilogy, I mean, you can't fault the Dark Knight trilogy. It's yeah, the best one. It's, it's a little one. it's a little dark for me. I have to admit it. Like Joker is so evil that it's it's oh, one of those things it. a little off putting for me. So I, I prefer the humor of the Marvel universe to Same. the intensity of the DC universe. But yeah, I'm a huge fan. 
Same. I, so I just on the show, I just finished up. We were discussing this at great length. Um, so I identify mostly as Tony Stark slash Iron Man. There you yeah. go. Oh, interesting. Also Deadpool. Like it's a mix of- why, why is that? Why do you- That is an interesting mix for sure. The Deadpool thing is because I actually have a lot of similarities to Deadpool's, like how he thinks is very similar to how I think about things, which is like, I always speak. I've, I've been told for a long time since I was a kid, you have a motor mouth, you never shut up, which is why I have a podcast. That is essentially why I have one. Kind of uh, podcast. It's essentially what it is. Um, so I got told this, and I remember reading one of the comics like years ago, and Deadpool going like, why do you never shut up, Wade? And he's like, well, if I shut up, I'm afraid the insanity in my brain will finally come out and kill me. And I was like, oh, that is actually legitimately my thoughts. Um, plus, Ryan Reynolds is one of my favorite actors of all time, so him playing Deadpool, and I know all the stuff that went into that, including the backstories, and I've felt some between and a lot of the in-jokes, so Deadpool. Tony Stark, because um, in the 90s, even in the 60s, so in the 90s, uh, Fox, Fox Network in the UK had reruns of the 90s launch of Iron Man, of the Iron Man show uh, from the 90s that spawned, that spawned the X-Men, um, animated X-Men, the animated Spider-Man, and the now infamous Silver Surfer shows, which were all story-based and massively influential to the way that I see things. Um, so I kind of identified with how he was at, at a young age. I just loved Iron Man. Like, oh, just normal dude in a costume. Great. And then, of course, me being, as I've gone older, I've identified being more as an intellectual. So because of that, that character was highly intelligent, a lot of similarities, very dry sense of humor, been through a lot of trauma and kind of come out the other side. And also the Iron Man thing was quite funny because a friend of mine said, um, the question was, which Marvel character do you identify with? I was like, oh, Tony Stark. And I was like, but if you could be any superhero, who would you be? And my first answer was Iron Man. They're like, yeah, because Tony Stark's favorite superhero is himself. <laughs> so that's sure. how we arrived to that. Um, but I, I think Iron Man and Tony Stark, like he's one of the most interesting yeah. characters. And, you know, it, it, may be, it may not come across the same in the movies, um, you know, which is kind of shortened the storyline, but you know, if you follow the Iron Man character, when I started reading it in the early 80s, like he was the first comic character to have the demons, you know, to be an alcoholic and you know, to go through divorce and uh, like really deal with some heavy stuff. Uh, and I mean, Marvel was kind of famous for doing that anyway and, you know, dealing with a lot of that stuff. But he really... He's been through a lot. So yeah, so it makes him a very interesting character. Which is why I was glad they had RDJ basically play it because a lot of the stuff that happened in Demon in the Bottle is very similar to the very, match. very open like life of RDJ, including the divorce because he got divorced in 2000 and then married his now wife in 2003 when she directed Gothica. That's actually how they met. So yeah. I'm again, nerd. I, I spend way go. too much time <laughs> consuming media and then writing about it because that's, that's a what good I do. Thing. Um, but my whole point to that was essentially with the Marvel DC universe, it's very interesting to me how they put together stories. Um, and of course, the other character that I identify with is also a character that my, one of my best friends who's like a sister to me, she is essentially known as infinity and I'm eternity. So that's why whenever we sit down to write cop, whenever I sit down to write copy, she goes, okay, eternity, let me look into your brain, you little nerd and see what's inside of that. <laughs> and we'll always come with ideas. So my, question I was going to ask for both of you was what do you find is a similarity in the formulas from like say Marvel or DC writing whether it's light and comedic to heavy and you know dark how does that apply to everyday copywriting and specifically how can someone listening to this 
apply it to their business. I feel like, Rob, you were born for this question, so I'm going to let you take this. I, I don't know if I was born for it, but I, I mean, there are obviously a lot of lessons from comics um, that you can take into copy. Number one being that there's all, like, it always does start with something, well, not quite always, but you know, the story arcs have to start with some kind of inciting incident, right? There's something that kicks off the action and we're always doing that in our copy, you know, whether it's identifying the problem, whether it's you know, some kind of a, a background story that catches interest and, and fosters curiosity, those kinds of things. Um, but most importantly, I think, is that they're just interesting, you know, whether it's, whether it's the, the bad guy or the good guy or the backstory or the setting, uh, you know, and some of it's, some of it's like most of the world would look at it and say, that's pretty dumb, you know, Fantastic Four shoot off in a rocket ship, you know, 14 light years away, you know, this thing happens, the cosmic energy, and it turns them all into superheroes, right? Like, it's kind of silly, but it's also the kind of thing that kicks off a story that then can go on and on and on and um, just continue to be interesting. The fact that these characters have been around, you know, since the 1940s, uh, 1930s yeah. in the case of like Captain America, um, or- uh, Superman. Yeah, Superman, Batman, uh, have been around since the since the very early 40s, maybe even 38, 39. Like yeah. th those those characters have lived on, not just like as hey, there's this guy uh, who you know who's Superman, but in monthly and sometimes weekly stories for 70 years, 80 years. Like they're that's an amazing thing, yeah. and uh, and the so again pacing. The way the comic books are paced, you know, what you don't see between the panels in a comic book, you know, there's a lot of action that still happens and a lot of things that happen, but, you know, the, all of that stuff is cut out, the boring everyday stuff, so that you're really just focused in on the action and the things that move stories forward. So um, I think there are a ton of lessons to be learned from the way that, you know, comic books are, are written and staged, very similar to the way movies are written and staged as well. Agreed. It's one of the reasons why I said that if you don't consume media on some level as a copywriter, are you really a copywriter at that point? I mean, you could be, but like at the same point, it, it would be very. Might not different. be the best one though. Yeah, uh, for yeah. me, it's like '90s wrestling was kind of the thing for me. But sorry, Kira, please. I was just going to add just to that. Uh, it makes me think of just uh, the conversation, and especially when you think of the Marvel movies too. Like the conversation is so relatable; it makes it feel real. So Rob's right. Like while it's this outlandish activities that you just, it's so hard to believe, and for a lot of people, they wouldn't necessarily be hooked on that type of fantasy. But because the dialogue feels so real and there's a sense of humor in it too, in the script and the writing, um, it feels relatable. And it almost just like it, that invites you into the world where you can say, okay, because I can relate to these characters, I can sign on to this world they've created because these characters feel real to me through the dialogue. And I think it's similar in copy. Like if we can have that conversational tone that feels real and feels like something you'd say to a friend and there's a sense of humor and you can get the tone and the voice right, then it makes the transformation that marketers are selling believable because we yeah. can kind of hang on to a piece of it that's real and then we can say, okay, now I can believe the transformation. So that side of it too seems um, parallel. Very much, yeah. And it's quite interesting because this is a theme that's come up quite a few times for me in the last couple of weeks. And it's this idea of belief change. Um, and a lot of copywriters don't do it anymore. It's really, really strange. They don't follow the path of getting to a point where you have to remind your customers 
that they need to change their beliefs in order for something to work. Like we've almost kind of stepped away from that. And Dan Candy used to say, if you really want to make a sale, change their belief on a subject during your copy. Yeah. So and that's with, most people approach that with you know an argument as opposed to persuasive tactics. You yeah. know, it's like, hey, uh, and we see this all the time with politics in the world, right? Like, uh, you know, your your country, you know, Brexit uh, and what's gone on there here with the last you know the last election and uh, you know it's it's everybody fighting against each other and pushing against each other instead of actually trying to have a conversation and be like here was just saying be relatable. To be able to, you know, help yeah. people change their minds. Uh, anger doesn't change minds. Arguments don't change minds. But, but you know, discussion, uh, rational, kind, you know, human interactions can and eventually do. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think in the cop in our copy, yes, it's important. But also, I mean, in our, I mean, that's what we've tried to build with the Copywriter Club. That's part part of what we wanted to create was so we could have a diverse group of people with different perspectives and backgrounds and come together around the one thing that we all have in common which is copywriting and a passion for the craft and wanting to build careers in copywriting and that if we can come together around that one subject that maybe we can you know start to kind of talk about the differences or at least be open to the other differences because we share that in common and so I, yeah, I agree with Rob. I think that's what's really missing in a lot of the dialogue um, right now in, in our countries too, is like, how can yeah. we agree on one thing and just like start there? But um, it's just difficult right now. I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's something that is universally quite strange. I mean, especially with what's going on in the world. Um, I was listening to Jocko Wilnick's, uh, I can never say his surname, but Jocko. I was listening to his podcast with um, Joe Rogan very, very recently, like a few days ago. Uh, I think it was actually yesterday. I mean, a few days ago, but I think it was yesterday. Um, what he actually goes into is this idea that open communication is the best way to actually change perspective because you realize you're actually fighting for the same thing, which is, I just want to be happy and peaceful to have my own thing here. Please get rid of these assholes. That's essentially what it is. Um, but it's interesting that like this is the first time ever where global leaders are having to like there isn't a unified front where everyone's trying to be unified now more than ever there's division that's driving into what's going on out there so my question here and it's it, it's a little bit of a political question but also it's a copywriting question as someone in the world that we're in today how would you actually approach said subject? Like, would you approach it at all? Because for me, I've actually kind of stayed away from any sort of political uh, use in my copy, but I know some people lean into it. Um, what is your opinion of that? In our copywriting for our clients or in our own marketing? Both. Both. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, have, I definitely have some mixed feelings about this um, because um, there are times when it's when it's the right thing to lean into um, those kinds of positions, and there are times when it's not. And I think a lot of people on one side or the other would say, "Well, you should always be leaning into it uh, because you know it's really important to me." But you know, a brand like say Coca Cola or Disney, uh, they there's there's a lot of energy around appealing to everyone, right? Because this, these are products that can be enjoyed by everyone. And, and Coca-Cola is not necessarily a liberal drink or a conservative drink. It's not a religious drink or a non-religious drink, right? Like 
it has it, it has an audience with everyone. And so I, you know, if I'm writing for a company like that, I'd be very hesitant to want to lean into politics. Um, on the other hand, uh, we have power as copywriters, and brands have power, and there are some things that probably should be le- le- leaned into yep. uh, in order to change the world and, and make it a better place. And I think um, you know, using our power wisely to do that, to for choosing you know those right uh, causes, it's certainly not every cause, uh, um, and uh, it may not even be for every brand, but for when like we know that change needs to happen in the world when we know we can write a very serious wrong. Um, it probably is important that we step in where appropriate. And again, fostering conversations, not arguments. You know, there's, there's definitely a right way and a wrong way to do that. Uh, but there's probably a time and a place for us to lean into some of those conversations. Not Could all. Agree more. Could not agree more with that. Um, Cause there are like right now it's no word of a lie that obviously we have a huge thing going on in the States with, you know, what happened with George Floyd and um, all the other stuff that just kind of came in from that. I've personally kept out of that conversation as much as possible. And I'm still going to keep out of that conversation even on the show. And there is a very specific reason. Firstly, I, my opinions are, again, my opinions. But at the same time, I have a choice. I have a choice of, do I look at this and put all my attention here? Or do I put all my attention on the things that I need to take care of? And if, and by the way, if people, there's, there's nothing wrong with putting your attention towards that conversation. If you want to have that conversation, you're free to do so. But also keep in mind, like, that's not the highest priority because I know if I get sucked into that kind of world, my mental health is going to take a hit that I don't want it to. Yeah. So that's totally fair. I think it's a personal decision for everyone because you're right. I mean, especially when you are dealing with any type of, you know, wellness issues or personal uh, wellness, mental health, um, you do have to check in on yourself first because you can't serve any cause unless you are a hundred percent. But, you know, for my, for me personally, it's more like, right. You said choosing your issues. You can't fight every issue necessarily. So what do you care about based off current events? What are you passionate about? And then where does that line up with what your community cares about? And so you may care really deeply about this one issue, but your community could care less. So is it relevant to keep talking about that if your community doesn't care? Um, But when it lines up and you care about something and your community cares about it, for me personally, then I want to talk about it. Because yeah. um, I think my tendency is to be someone who um, is quiet and doesn't, I don't want to be controversial. I don't like conflict. I've never been that person who is the first one to speak up. It's just not my natural inclination. But I also do feel like I've learned that not speaking up about what you care about is the same thing as sometimes as supporting the other side because you're not willing to speak up for it. So more recently, like I'm trying to be more intentional about speaking up for um, anything I care about, whether it's political or not, but being really intentional about what that is. So I'm not shouting about every issue under the sun, um, but I'm choosing what's really important to me and to my community to bring that to the forefront and to be really intentional about that. But I do think there is this part where you're, what you're talking about, about draining energy too, right? there's a time to talk about it and then there's a time to actually do the work. And so I think, you know, talk about it, share, post, 
um, share your voice, but then like actually figure out what you need to change in your own business and your own life and do the deep work and do the shifts, make the shifts in your own business. Like that's what we're doing right now too. We're not necessarily talking about it, but we're making shifts in our own business to reflect um, the changes that we need to make as of the current events. I agree with you entirely. We have the exact same thought process over here. Well, I do. Um, with the shifts that we're making to actually make, not make, but to implement a different strategy to help us understand more things, like understand the situation better with um, what's going on. Yeah, I mean, exactly. it's, it's not just like, again, as you said, it is choosing what you want to, um, what you want to support more than anything else. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, I mean, for our business, we're actively trying to figure out how to create an anti-racist business, right? And what does that take? And education, training, taking action, um, being strategic about it. Yeah. Um, and moving forward with that is really important right now. That's actually very powerful. I'm glad I commend you for doing so. Like a lot of people just, um, because this is the strangest thing. I'm not going to name the person because um, obviously I'm not, but it was really shocking to me to actually, like I always saw copywriting as a non-racist platform. Like I just always saw it as as a non-racist place. But I do remember one time where a very certain famous copywriter, I became friends with them because I love them. And then as soon as I became friends with them, I started seeing their posts on my wall. And I was like, I have to unfriend you because yeah. this is not cool. And what really bothered me was the amount of my friends that were commenting underneath. Like, I was like, do I unfriend you as well? Or do That's I why just I stay out of the Facebook feed? I, I just, I, like, I don't want to know what, <laughs> like, I, yeah, I want to like my friends. And I don't. <laughs> Sometimes the feed reveals things about people that it reveals, uh, yeah. yeah, it reveals that people are really, yeah, their true beliefs that they aren't sharing when you're having a drink with them, that it comes out in the feed. And it's, so what did you do? I unfriended that person and I didn't actually speak to the other people as much, but I did, I did message one of them and said, Hey, um, just going to say a quick heads up on this. I'm not okay with this. They were like, what do you mean? I'm like, dude this is like going straight at me if you don't like me say it to my face please um because i'm not down with cowardice and they just looked at me and went sorry that you felt that way i'm sorry that this went on i thought it was funny for this other reason blah 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 blah, blah. i was like that's cool we'll keep it at an arm's length i respect you for who you are but my my vision of you slightly changed and it's kind of funny because there was a comic that i follow and he put it so perfectly well, just to like juxtapose this slightly. It was, um, do you know the reason why so many people are fighting today? It's because we know too much about each other. Like back in the day, you used to know that, like you knew Tom. Tom was like your ga- the guy at the gas station. You just knew him, you said hi to him, and that was it. You didn't need to know anything else. You knew Tom probably liked the same like football team as you. That's it. Now you're like, Tom likes the same football team as you and also the KKK. And you're like, ah, damn it, Tom, we can't be friends anymore. Yeah, there's some truth to that. For yeah. Sure. And I think as business owners, kind of what you were saying, I think like with the Coca-Cola's and the bigger brands, smaller brands, you could step out of the arena and not talk about issues before. But the culture today is that your customers demand it and they want to yeah. know. Like, and if you don't tell them, they'll let I you guess. know on social media, like, where do you stand on this? And I think um, that's changed so dramatically in business and um and it's a good thing ultimately, right? And it's just, yeah. it's not going to go away anytime soon. So 
I think we, as marketers and business owners, you can't avoid it. And we could help our clients realize that too. I think they're starting to realize it, that um, you need to, to share some of these viewpoints because mm -hmm. your customers are going to ask for it eventually if they aren't already. Yeah. And there are, you're going to lose some customers either way. I mean, right. that's something right. people don't exactly. Yeah, that, well, and that's the danger. I mean, I, I do not believe that the politicization, politicalization of the world is a positive thing. Like there should be spaces where there are no politics, you yeah. know, where we can talk. And, and so I, I don't think that that's um, positive, um, a positive development. But I do think the one thing that is positive is that um, people are, are having their eyes open to things that they were not seeing before. And yes. Uh, that doesn't happen um, when there are no political spaces. So there's got to be this mix. You, you have to be able to go to the grocery store and be friends with your neighbors and not hate them you know, because they've, they've done or said something um, that you disagree with, knowing that people can change and people yeah. you know, sometimes do realize they're wrong and, and move on and change, become better. Um, but then there are also places where it's appropriate to share these things. And sometimes those things will, will leak out into the public, like what's been happening and um, and those generally are good, good changes that will come from that. So but like Kira was saying, if all we do is, is talk the talk, you know, put up, put up the post on Instagram and we don't actually do yeah. things to make changes, then, yeah. then that's, that's just BS. It's signaling, virtue signaling, and it's not helpful. Yeah, not at all. It actually does more damage to your reputation as well as a person, because when it comes out, it becomes it just becomes obvious right everyone yeah. knows at that point it's kind of like the whole thing with what i say to people it's uh don't teach something you have no clue about <laughs> or like don't talk about it great advice. Yeah. Great yeah. advice. like if you don't have a clue about it don't do it just say you don't like just say i don't know here's yeah, another this reason is in the space you. exactly yeah. right it's kind of like, so just to give you guys an idea on this, I did get asked about the whole racism thing, like as a question from someone on an email today. Someone sent me an email back going, okay, what's your view on this whole race thing? Cause you've not addressed it at all. My response back to them was in an email I sent out to my list again today, um, which was just along the lines of the reason I'm no, the reason I'm not talking about race. And then I just listed out what my ethnicity is. Like I'm an African born, like European raised, mostly Indian, Arab, Sicilian, and black person descendant that's walking this planet that has gone through both racist and terroristic um, pre prejudgment. And I've managed to laugh at most of it because it's mostly stupid. So with what's going on in the world, the reason I've not said anything is because I was not there. Is it a travesty? Of course, no one's disagreeing with me on that one. If you are, then you're an asshole. Um, because... I've been put in a blood choke and I know what it feels like. I can barely go a couple of seconds. Um, but at the end of the day, if who you are affects the politics, like if who you are is a bad person and you're affecting my life that way, no, we're not going to be friends. If you're a good person that's out there doing good and just being yourself, cool. You keep doing, you will probably still be friends. The reason I'm not engaging quite simply, I don't have anything to say except for here's how you basically get better at persuading people and how you have good conversations with friends. And it's just. So you sent that, that, that email yeah. to your list today. Yeah. I just sent it to them. Just let them know. I mean, I'm some people be mad at me about it, but honestly, I've got to the point where I'm like, I know what matters to me. I know what my values are. So I've got to keep around that. And I've actually realized our time is flying by and I love talking to you guys. 
So one of my favorite questions on the show, completely sidetracking this last point and kind of going back into flow a little bit. Well, actually it keeps in the flow. What would you guys say are five of your favorites? And there is three. There's, you guys are going to give me a list of about 30 because there's five each and there's three categories. Your favorite five nonfiction books, your five favorite fiction books, and your five favorite movies that you would recommend. Oh my gosh, I need to send wow. this to you over email. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is a really I'm hard one. Like, I'm going to have to like, Are we really doing let me go grab some of my you, books. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a couple. I'll give you a couple just off the top of my head. So um, one of the best writers in the English language over the last 50 years, uh, I, I believe, is a guy named Pat Conroy. Um, he wrote a book called My Losing Season, which was, uh, I think, um, a, a real um, depiction of his senior year as a basketball player at the Citadel. Um, he wrote a fictionalized version of his experience at the Citadel called um, the, uh, the, um, what is it? the Lords of Discipline. Both of those books are fantastic. He, I mean, he wrote uh, South Abroad. He wrote, um, all of his books are, are just beautifully written. It's almost, he's almost more poet than writer. And uh, unfortunately, he passed away, um, you know, without... You know, relatively young. I think he was in his fifties, and so there's no more uh, Pat Conroy books coming out. But he's, he's just one of my favorite uh, people to to read. He's done both nonfiction and fiction. When I'm reading nonfiction, it's usually uh, related to uh, persuasion or copy, so or or some kind of like self improvement. So a recent favorite is Tiny Habits by B.J. Fogg. Nice. Um, B.J. Fogg is a Stanford professor who has studied behavior, behavioral change. The Fogg model for behavioral change uh, is talked about a lot in you know, copywriting and, and conversion circles. And he's written a, a fantastic book about making small changes in your life called Tiny Habits. Uh, that uh, is, like I said, it's excellent. Um, you know, other, other nonfiction, uh, somebody uh, brought up essentialism this morning. Uh, and I remembered how much I really liked that book. Um, uh, McKeon is the author of that one. And he just you know, writes about focusing on the very most important things and letting everything else go in your life. And there's just a lot of really good stuff there. Um, other fiction, you know, I, I already mentioned, um, you know, Michael Connolly's books. Uh, you know, he, he writes about a detective uh, called Bosch, um, Hieronymus Bosch, that mm -hmm. I think, um, I, I, I just love the way he writes. He, um, he gets so many of the details of real life. It's not just a story, but there are just details where as I'm listening to or reading those books, I'm thinking to myself, that is something that like comes from a personal experience. It, it feels so real the way that, that he writes. And I just admire uh, his ability to do that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, there, there are others, but that's maybe just kind of a, a top of the list of uh, some of my favorites. Those are really good picks as well. I have to, like, I'm making a list over here of like books. You can see some of the, like, I, you can't really see the titles behind me on my bookshelf, but uh, I've oh read a God. few of those. So. You guys can't see this, but Kira literally went and just grabbed a stack <laughs> of books and be like, mine! <laughs> yeah, I also like, I, I like to read a lot of history as well. And so if, you know, if anybody likes history, um, you know, David McCullough's book on Truman is Ooh. absolutely fantastic. It's well written and it's a, just a really interesting story about an American president who 
was kind of squeezed between a lot of more famous presidents and didn't get his due, and, at least until that book was written. Um, and, and I like English history a lot too. So guys like Dan Jones, uh, who's written a lot about uh, you know, history, um, those are those are favorites as well. I, I don't know. I I'm very eclectic in my book liking. Oh, so. that's good. That's good because eclecticism <laughs> is exactly how I think you actually become a better writer because you're drawing from different sources. One of the books I would say, um, I truly it was a really good book as well. I was going to recommend, and my brain just completely had a brain fart. Damn it. Ah, it'll come back to me. But oh, Dan Carlin's podcast, Hardcore History, is one of my all-time favorites. By the way, if you haven't ever listened to it, I each think I've episode, listened to it before, but I don't subscribe. I'm gonna add each it to my list. episode is like three, like the longest episode is 13 hours. I think. Oh wow! Yeah, he goes hard in the paint for like some of the subjects. It's like it's a three-parter. Overall, it's 21 hours of your life. Enjoy, <laughs> and you get like really in-depth history. All right, Kira. Hit me with your books. Right, okay, so I'm just pulling books that were right next to my bed. Um, so half of them I read, half of them I'm reading. So of course, Pet Cemetery, like mm-hmm. need that power, the power of now, which I need to read every week. <laughs> um, it's such a hard book to read. What I talk about when I talk about running, which I'm um, just starting, Tiny Habits, which Rob and I have just shared started. with our Think, Think Tank Mastermind group. Mm-hmm. Um, animal kind because I've recently become a vegetarian. Yay. Yay. Um, more Stephen King. If it bleeds my life in advertising, um, of course oh, we need some oh, copywriting. Claude Hopkins. Claude Hopkins. Yeah. yeah. Need to like up, up my game with the copywriting books, the boron letters. Great book. Um, recently untamed, which is like number one or number two on the New York times bestseller list read this a couple of times by Glennon Doyle. It's um, wonderful. And yeah, I can keep going. For, this is for Rob. Like I'm, I'm reading more history. <laughs> that, is a, that is a great book. Inspired that... by Rob, I'm reading through history books because I feel like my, I did not pay attention in history class. So I'm educating myself You didn't now. say the title of that one though. That was David McCullough's 1776. That's right. Yes. Yeah. McCullough's, almost all of McCullough's books are fantastic. He, he, I don't believe he studied history but he has taught and written history. And again, he's a fantastic writer and he has a way of bringing history to life in a way that most high school history teachers don't. And that's, I think, why his books are so good. So there's a big pile that I'm working through, but I have a vacation in a couple weeks, so I will have time to actually read, which is great. Yeah. See, I think that's brilliant. Because I like, as you guys can, or you guys can see what the people on camera can't see at home. Um, there's, I have a huge a few bookshelf. Books. You've got a couple. Yeah, you've got a good collection. Yeah, and that's actually, there's another bookshelf just here, like on this side here of another bunch of books. Um, but no, I, I love reading literally everything under the sun and movies are my favorite. Though I've never really, like, it's strange. I love Stephen King, but I've just never really got into him, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, for me, it's Tarantino always wins. Like, if I'm going to pick between a Stephen King movie and a Tarantino movie, I like Tarantino all day. Well, Tarantino's also good. Yeah, that's a, it's, it's hard to pick. Tarantino's an amazing script writer and just yeah. has a, a great visual eye. So I'd say yeah, my, hard least, my least favorite Tarantino movie probably has to be The Hateful Eight. And then Jack, I've got to rewatch Jackie Brown. I've not seen Jackie Brown in a very long time and I hated it the first time I watched it. So it's been a while. Yeah. yeah, and so um, other favorite movies. You asked us for favorite movies. Yes. Rob, did you share yours already? I haven't shared favorite movies. I mean, I love, a, we talked a lot about the Marvel movies and um, you know, I'm not sure that they're favorites from like a 
this is the best movie ever made standpoint, but the stories are so compelling. You know, there's a reason why more than one person cried at the end of oh the end game oh the series. It's because like the characters baby. are so, yeah, like okay, they're so relatable and uh, they, they become friends in a way. So I think those movies are great. Um, there, are, there are, movies are harder for me to, to list out. So maybe Kira should answer that one. Okay, yeah, I have a top three. Legends of the Fall, Last of the Mohicans, and Labyrinth. Ooh, they all okay, involve guys with long hair. So yeah, that's, that's what they that's all have true. in common. Yeah. Fair enough. So like basically if I make a movie, I should just keep this growing. <laughs> just keep growing your hair. Yeah. I would have to throw on yeah. The Godfather because I mean I know God, that's yeah. kind of a guy answer, no, but I love that story. And classic. the books are good too. Oh my god, his, the books, his books are awesome. Going back to the Marvel movies just for a second, because I didn't want to ask this to both of you because I assume you both have seen Endgame. Uh, when the whole Captain America versus like facing down the hordes, and then all of a sudden, like the two moments: one when he gets Mule there, and two when like Doctor Strange opens up those portals. Emotional responses: What were they? you guys when the portals opened and everyone came out of the portal yep. oh yeah i mean hard to describe i mean it, you know, you're just kind of what like for hardcore fans who are watching this you've seen like the culmination of the story that they're kind of familiar with because it was played out in the comic books and the graphic novels before um but it's 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 like it's almost like watching your your team score the winning goal in the world cup right or you know win the championship game you know, it's it's that same kind of uh, belonging that you feel to these characters that you kind of uh, grown with over the last decade or so. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think everyone had an emotional response to those scenes. Like I, I actually did a study on myself onto why I felt emotional during those scenes. It's very very interesting what came up for me. Like one Can of them was share? oh, one of them was like I have a deep-seated like issue with my father that came from that scene oh, wow. as a re realization it's like yeah the reason i relate to uh the whole like avengers assemble bit when he says it like i get goosebumps and my hair raises on my arms like i actually have that in that one scene and the whole reason is because it reminds me of uh my own competing days but also the the, the how much i felt alone and i could relate from captain america going like okay i could be on my own on my own but I'm going to still go forward, but wow, look at all my friends coming in. And yeah. in that moment, my brain went, you're no longer alone. You have people that love you. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah. Was, it's so weird what visually actually causes stuff to come up. But one of the other movies I'd recommend you guys watch if you haven't already is Ready Player One. Yeah. That's Part of that one. Yeah. So that's good. good. I, I laughed so hard. It was, it's, it's basically like a 80s super Easter egg mashup of everything you could think of. They even reference The Shining. Yeah, it's a fun, that's a fun movie. Yeah. Like you would love every bit of that movie. It's just so brilliant. But guys, we're unfortunately at the end of our time, which is insane how quickly this has gone. But I love interviewing you guys, so I hope I get you back on in future because I'd love to have you on for a second round. Um, real quickly, where can guys find out more about you and what you do? So you can find us about find out about us on the copywriterclub.com and then we each have our individual copywriting websites. Mine is kirahug.com. And mine is brandstoryonline.com. Cool. And also go check out their Facebook. 
uh, group, the Copywriting Club. Uh, this is the Copywriting Club. I was going to say dot .com again. The, Damn it. The Copywriter it's Club just, on Facebook. Yeah. That's one. Yeah. The Copywriter Club, not Copywriting Club. Ugh, it all goes to the same place because you know it's them oh, too. Just so much awesomeness. Um, that being said, guys, have an amazing weekend. Please yeah. don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share the show if you enjoyed it. I know we went to some very crazy fun places, but enjoy. That's what we do here. Thanks for Take care. Us. You're very welcome, Thanks, guys. See you soon. Bye.